Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Mark, the fourth chapter. And, uh, you know, we started a series, and really it was like three weeks ago. It's been so long. And so many things are coming up, and, um, or have come up. And, and Mark, the fourth chapter. And uh, uh, we've been, we started, literally started, a series on something called the parable of the sower. And, uh, in fact, Jesus says if, if you don't have insight and understanding on this parable, then you won't have uh, this parable, you won't have insight in any of the parables that I teach. And, of course, we know that a parable is simply a natural story to reveal a spiritual truth. Amen. Jesus taught in parables so that the religious people couldn't understand him because they were closed-minded anyway. He, but he always revealed the truth to his, to his disciples. Isn't that beautiful? He'd get alone with them. He'd, exa- he'd just lay it out, tell them exactly the way it was. And even then, they had, our time, had a hard time with it. Amen. So let's read one, uh, one through eight and um, go from there. He began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude. Uh, I not, when I say that, when it says great, it probably uh, 15 to 20 to 30,000 people. That, it, was, it was a massive crowd. And, uh, and the Bible says, so that he entered into a ship. See, why do I think that? Well, I guess you could say I'm, I'm assuming it based on this. When, when Jesus fed, he said he fed a multitude. And a multitude was 5,000 uh, men plus women and children. So it could have been 15,000. Yeah. I mean, we, just, we don't know. I mean, you know, it would have been nice if he'd have been more accurate with the numbers. Uh, and, and, but, but, so when he says a great multitude, it could have been... It could have been 20, 30,000 people there. Amen. Lives were being changed, and they, were, they wanted to know more about him. So he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, or sat in the sea on the ship, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and this was one of them. And he said unto them uh, uh, in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Another fell on good ground and did yield fruit. That sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. Just goes to show you from that scripture, God is an abundant giving God. He's not some uh, cheapster. Uh, he doesn't just want you barely getting enough. He wants your life overflowing with blessing. He just doesn't want the overflowing blessings to get a hold of you. Amen. Always put him first. And so then the, we find out in verse 14 what he, the sower was sowing. The Bible says that the sower was sowing the word of God. <coughs> now listen, the mystery of how God's kingdom operates is discovered in the parable of the sower. And I, I put this next phrase up there because I just wrote this out. God's word is spiritual seed, watch this, designed to be sown within the, the hearts, that's supposed to be the, not the ears, the hearts or the spirit of man so that we can reap a harvest of all that God is and all that he has. If you agree, say amen to that. So the word of God was meant for your spirit to put inside of you, not up here. There's so many people who try to know God from the head, but you can only know him from the heart. 
That's where faith is required on the part of the believer. Amen. Verse 9 says this. Then Jesus said, after he taught this parable, he says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. The Amplified says this. He who has ears to hear, let him be hearing and let him consider and comprehend. Really, really stop and think for a moment what is being taught. That's what was Jesus saying. Why? Because everything about your life, listen, and the quality of life that you live from now till the day you die is determined right here in the parable of the sower. Because if you don't understand sowing, you can be sowing the wrong things in your life based upon tradition, based upon what your, your parents said about life, not based upon the word of God. And all of a sudden, you're reaping things in your life that you didn't want to reap because of your ignorance. You didn't understand that you were getting exactly what you were saying. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Years ago, I wrote a song called, <laughs> every time I preach, I think of a song. I wrote a song called, I'm sowing the seed of the word of God. I'm sowing the seed of love. I'm sowing the seed of peace and joy that comes from the Father above. The Lord told me you can't reap a blessing unless you plant some seed. So I'm sowing the seed of the word of God. Won't you come along and plant with me? Amen. Amen. For many, oh, you want the verses? For many years I sowed a crop of doubt and unbelief. The more I tried to be success, success would turn to grief. And then I heard from the word of God you can have just what you say. Now I'm sowing seeds that bring forth life, and life has come my way. <laughs> You want to hear the second verse? Yes. He that is a wise man is a doer of the word. The foolish man, he's listening, but forgets just what he's heard. He that does the word of God shall never have defeat, no matter how the winds may blow or how the rains may beat. Anyway. <laughs> Amen. When you came in, out of your mother's room, you, womb, you came up pure and undefiled. You weren't born a thief, a murderer. You weren't born a covetous person, full of deceit and moral corruption. However, from the time you took your first breath, from that moment on, you conformed to whatever was being sown in your heart, even though you didn't know it at the time. How many here agree that there are certain phrases that you still say today that your mom and dad said, or you kind of, ah, you, you know, you, you say certain things, and, and, and sometimes it's okay, but sometimes it's not. So when it's not, you got to stop saying it. Well, this time, yeah, about every time, this time, about every, every, I mean, this time every year I catch a cold. Well, you, if you say that enough and you believe it, you'll catch a cold. Amen. About every, about, about this time every year I catch a healing. Hallelujah. I mean, it's better to say that. Amen. Better to say that. Come on. It would be better. So, uh, Beth was telling me, I don't know if she's in here tonight. Um, Beth was telling me that she was a school teacher. And uh, I um, sat with them at a, at a deal, business deal, and we were sitting together talking, Beth, um, Andy Simmons' wife. And she's uh, no longer a teacher, but she was a teacher. And I'm not sure, let me know she taught first, second grade, something like that. And she said that, and I, of course, you know, we shouldn't be surprised, but it's sad. She said, you can't imagine the cursing. The little first graders are saying the F word. I meant constantly. I mean, they show sh uh, the uncontrolled anger. They lay on the floor, just scream and yell, and they can't, the teacher can't even touch them. Boy, when I was a kid, you tried that, man. The teacher would whip you and send you home. But today, every child has a lawyer and a stupid parent that supports it. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'll go back under the pulpit here. Randy, will you protect me if they come up here? Okay, thank you. Amen. But I was, it saddened my heart because, listen, when those children came out of the womb, they were never designed to be that. Right. Never. But when there's foolishness, 
Uh, the Bible says foolishness is in the, is the heart of a child, and the rod of crushing will drive out from them. And today, uh, parents are more afraid of their children uh, uh, than ever, and it's really sad. And um, so we have a, we got a sad bunch of little hellions uh, uh, being raised, but... In, in, Oh, not here, not at Faith Family. But what's so sad about that, though, is that we end up not liking the child, and it's not their fault. It's the parent. And it's really a sad thing, but that's just the days we're living in. And these behaviors are simply the harvest of the seeds of behavior that they have been acknowledging or seeing through their parents or maybe through their siblings. Or their, or, or their, but it's mostly, it happens at home, mostly at home. I'm telling you. I mean, mercy's sakes, I'm glad I wasn't dumb. Uh, Vicky's child, um, my wife, uh, Angie stuck her tongue out at Amy, and she took a little bar of soap, stuck it in her mouth, and slapped her teeth shut. Quiet. It's quiet. It's quiet in this room. Quiet in this room. I never stuck my tongue out at Vicky. Never. 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 Yeah, she did it because it was a sign of strife. Amen. I said, Amen. Vicky said to me the other night, I'm going to spank you. I said, what time? Anyway, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Anyway. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. If any man be in Christ. Let's focus. Let's focus. (laughs) I don't want to lose you. I can just see some of you out there texting your wives. What time are you spanking me tonight? (laughs) So. Oh, we can be creepy, can't we? Anyway, <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says this. If any man be in Christ, what kind of creature has he become? New. A new creature. Bob says old things of that, of that Adamic nature that used to snare you constantly have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Meaning, you, you, because of Christ and the Spirit of God in you, 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 have, um, you are now dead to sin and alive unto God. Uh, through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Everybody say thank you, Lord, to that. Amen. So God sent his word, listen, into the soil of the human spirit so that we sinners could become as he is and reap all the blessings that he has. God wants, listen, eternal life doesn't start the day you leave this earth. It starts the day you receive Christ into your life. Amen. You can enjoy the blessings of God. Amen. However, from the moment you're born again, you also will be tempted to be conformed to the very things that God delivered you from. Remember I told you that? When, Satan deli- when God delivers you from something, whatever it is, drugs, alcohol, sexual perversion, whatever it may be, Satan will try to come through that same door back into your life to get you back into bondage. But, but it's never God's will that you go there. Can I have an amen? amen. Now in Proverbs, uh, Solomon was endeavoring to get this across to his son in Proverbs 4. Here's what he said. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they, the words that I got from God and I'm investing into your life, they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Then he says this, guard your heart. Why? Because no one else is going to do it for you. Guard your heart, uh, he says, above all else. For it, the guarding of your heart, determines uh, the whole course of your life. So whatever you're, you're investing in your heart, your life will go that way. Right. You just remember, I mean, you can use all sorts of examples. We'll use a couple, a couple in a moment. But then Paul, 
uh, obviously he was very familiar with Proverbs, the Apostle Paul, and he wrote this to the new believers in Rome. He said this, we read this last week. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. You know, I was just sharing with someone earlier how that we, we, we as, as a nation, uh, we're not as twisted and dark as a lot of nations, but boy, we're getting there. And um, well, let me give an example. You know, to have a, a intimate relationship with a person outside of marriage was looked down to when I was a child. Now it's like eating oatmeal. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's nothing wrong. There's, what, what's wrong with that? And I told you this, but it's really true. I've been in gas stations, and I see a couple, whether they're young or maybe it's my age, but young, young couple, I say, hey, how long have you guys been married? Oh, we're not married. We live together. And I always go, oh, uh, don't do that. I said, I get married because when you live together, the Bible calls that sin, and it brings a curse into your life instead of a blessing. I've never had one tell me to where to go or nothing. It pierces their hearts. It brings conviction to them. Do you know why? They've never heard such a thing. Because that's not in our culture today, is it? And so he said, so don't copy, he goes on, uh, the behavior and, and, and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Now, he's, talking, he's not talking about inwardly because you're already changed on the inside. He's talking about soulishly. And he goes on to say that by changing the way you think. Amen. So when you get saved, there's some stinking thinking that's got to get driven out of your life. Amen. And, and, and that comes by you meditating on God's word and God revealing that truth to your heart and so that it can manifest in your life. Now, back to Mark, the fourth chap, the per, uh, chapter, the parable of the sower. It's pretty much explanatory. It's just simply this. God's kingdom operates on the principles of sowing and reaping. Uh, it's about farming. He's trying to get that across to us that that's what the kingdom uh, of God is all about. It's about farming. It's a sower scattering his seed... For this reason, he, he, for this reason, he knows that if he's going to reap a harvest of blessing for him and his family, and guess what? A farmer, I think city people, I, I don't, I think city people, a lot of city people are so stupid, they really don't even realize where food comes from. I'm serious. Yeah, they, they think that, you know, milk is, milk is made some, in a factory somewhere. Yeah. And, um, um. But yeah, so this farmer is planting seed. Why? Because he's also interchanging what he has with other businesses, what they have. And remember, remember Cain and Abel? Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a farmer. And for them to uh, both be fully blessed, they had to interact and trade what they had to each other. And that interesting, I think that, I said, it's so interesting when you study the Bible. Uh, the thing that that the thing that pleased God about Abel's offering, it, it, uh, number one, it was an offering of faith, but it was an, an offering of love, but it was a blood sacrifice that, he, that was required of them. Why? Because they were sinners, and, and to not be held accountable for their sins, someone had to take their place. And the only, only way that Cain could get a sacrifice was through his brother Abel. And so when contention, the only reason he didn't bring a lamb to God is because there was contention between them and the only one that had the lamb was Abel. That's why he brought of his field. Kind of interesting, huh? Say we need each other. We need each other. Yeah, we really do. We need each other. 
We need it on a daily basis. I mean, you know, it's interesting when you get together as married couples. I don't know if you've noticed this or witnessed this. You can, when there are days one spouse is down, the other spouse is up. Well, and there are days when that spouse is up, the other, and it's just, so you have each other to depend on. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. And I think that's true for most of the time. Amen. So, the farmer also knows that there are two laws working on his side. It's the law of Genesis and the law of sowing and reaping. The law of Genesis simply means everything produces after its own kind. And the law of sowing and reaping just shows and displays, again, the abundance of God with the 30, 60, and 100-fold return. Amen. Four environments in which the farmer's seed was sown into. We'll just run through these real good, uh, quick because we're going to talk a little bit more about the hard ground. Hard ground, side reference, says indifferent hearers. Stony ground was emotional hearers. Thorny ground was worldly hearers. And good ground was receptive hearers. Amen. Pastor Vicky said, God will only speak to those who intend to obey. So if you haven't been hearing from God lately, maybe you got to stop and say, okay, God. Sir, I will obey you this time. Amen. I said amen. So out of the four environments, three produced crop failure and only one produced a harvest. What does that mean? Producing the spiritual character of God in your life is a whole lot harder than one may think. Amen. Because that's what it's about. It's all about the character of God. It's all about the nine fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. That's what God wants us to bear. Amen. Love, joy, peace, long suffering. You know the nine fruit. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. Amen. Now, so now we can tell, verse 14, the parable sows. The parable of the sower is that the sower is sowing or the farmer is scattering the seed of God's word on the hearts of others, which you and I do when we share with people. Amen. Um, I wrote this down. God's word is the provision for everything you'll ever need in this life. Let's remember that. God's word is provision for everything that you will ever need in this life, listen, and the life to come. You're going to live by God's word on the other side. Amen. The only thing is beautiful, and I don't understand it all. Don't, I, don't, I don't. I haven't been there, so I don't know. You know. I don't know if there's going to be you know, evil, darkness on the other side of other planets that will be conquered. If you're going to conquer something, wouldn't you think it would be trying to conquer you? <laughs> Help me out a little bit. So, you know, get, it's, we always think you know, that we're just going to be floating on a cloud and sipping on, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> But we're going, to be, we're going to be managing the universe. Amen. Brother McCann always said he believes that we're going to all be managing our own planet or, or galaxy. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. Praise the Lord. I've been tired, of, uh, I've been tired of, of just simply trying to manage my own life. When we get our glorified bodies, it's going to be awesome. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's, go, let's read real quick here. The Bible says the sower sows the word, verse 15. Now, these are they by the wayside where the word was sown. But when they have heard, see, everyone here heard. Everyone was hearing something of the word of God. When they heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word. Now, again, again, if you, Satan has no problem stripping the word out of people who haven't prepared themselves inwardly. And it's interesting, he, he, the, my side reference, I don't know about yours, it says this, that they call them indifferent hearers. The word indifferent means, listen to this, not interested, apathetic, uncaring, and lukewarm. 
So my point is, when you come to church, remember the message that John had? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. So they had to make preparation within. Listen, recognizing that they were sinners needing a Savior. How many agree that you need a Savior every day of your life? Like 24-7. Amen. So when God began to describe and use words to describe the attitude of Israel. Well, he's, he's desperately trying. He takes them supernaturally out of Egypt. Listen, the children of Israel, kind of like us. How many here, honestly, you recognize that you were delivered from darkness and translated into God's kingdom? Raise your hand. I mean, you know that for sure, sir. So that alone, right there, that experience alone should cause you never to doubt God's word. Because that's the hardest thing you did in your life. That's the most supernatural thing he did in your life, was raised you from spiritual death to eternal life. Isn't that cool? Amen. And so, um, anyway, here's what some of the words he used to describe these Israelites as he's trying to get them. Listen, all he wanted them to do was stay in faith for 11 days. That's how long the journey was. 11 days. And they weren't out three days. And began to murmur and complain because the, remember they came to that water and the water was bitter? And instead of lifting their hands and saying, oh, Jehovah, thank you that you delivered us. You displayed such glory for us in Egypt. I mean, it was just a few, 30, 70, 72 hours ago. Oh, Lord, we know that, hey, you've got water for it. No, 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 no. No. I mean, Moses, you know, uh, he always got blamed for it, too. The preacher always gets blamed for the outcome of something. <laughs> yeah, you told me if I'd give, I'd be blessed. I ain't had nothing. Yeah, it's because of your confession. <laughs> oh, moving on. Hallelujah. <laughs> he called them hard-hearted, stiff-necked, stubborn, and rebellious. Mm. Now, I'm just going to tell you this. When you study the Bible, remember, the Old Testament is a story of God taking a people that he raised up out of a man that he loved and called him his friend, that's Abraham. They're called the children of Israel. He, he, and through the children of Israel, through the seed of Abraham, through the seed of David, came our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But God always had the best in mind for his people, but he could never seem to get them in faith and keep them in faith. I always say that's why it took 4,000 years to get Jesus here. God had to work with people. I told the Lord one day, sir, I don't, you know, I want to offend you, but uh, I just feel so sorry for you that you have to work with people. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, until, so here's the deal. That whole story there is our story in the New Testament. The church dispensation came on the day of Pentecost. Do you all agree with me? Yeah. That's where, well, it, okay, if you want to get technical... The church dispensation started in John the chapter 20 when Jesus breathed on the disciples and they received eternal life. All right. But we, we recognize more of the outpouring of God's spirit upon man in the book, in the, in, on the day of Pentecost. Okay. But the last days started on the day of Pentecost. We agree with that. So we know that this, this dispensation is 2,000 years. That's why we don't, and of course, we don't go by the calendar that Israel goes by, you know. And according to their calendar, it could be another 200 and some years before Jesus returns. But prophetically speaking, it seems like, now, I don't, like I said, I'm not an end times preacher. 
But well, a lot of people say prophetically, all the prophecies for Christ's return had been fulfilled so he could return any time. See, he gave, the reason he gave all these, remember, he gave all the kind of warnings, you know, to us to make sure that we look up for our redemption draws. Now he always gave us kind of warnings, say, hey, hey, don't, don't be like the, you know, the ten virgins, five, you know, didn't understand, you know, that, hey, they were living in the time the master was coming back and they let the oil run out. They were still virgins, right? But they lost the anointing of God's spirit in their lives and they weren't ready. So he keeps telling us that you need to be ready. You need to stay ready. I don't know. I don't know about you. All I know about me. So I can't risk the fact. I can't risk leaving God and go playing in the world and Jesus would come at that moment. Would I go with him? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, who would want to risk that? Who would want to risk a few hours or months or years of pleasure and lose your eternal life? Now, some people don't think you can. And I'm not going to go there because uh, Brother Copeland said, you know, some people, you know, believe once saved, always saved. He says, uh, I don't even think about it. I don't worry about it. I just don't go. I just, I'm just staying close to God. Yeah. 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 He said, I don't want out. <laughs> okay. So until Jesus returns, we will face seasons of hardship for it comes with the journey. I'm just, I, I just, listen, strained relationships can be made hard, can, can make you hard. Losing a job promotion you thought you deserved can be very hard. Give, going through bankruptcy and having to start over again can create hardness within. Experiencing divorce can make one bitter and hard. These are the seasons. The, these are the seasons when we must steward our hearts and remain tender-hearted, faithful, worshipful, faith-filled, grateful, humble, and subservient. And in doing so, God will make sure we get through it and onto the other side. Amen. So I just remember that. It's so important that you, that, that, that you understand there's seasons of suffering. I don't like to talk about that, but it's true. Because I'm not faking anything. We have been through some hardships in our lives and hardships in ministry. How many have been through some hardships in your life? See, every one of us. So it isn't, it isn't because you, you strategized, you planned it, you, you deserved it. Yes, maybe, yes, we all make mistakes, and sometimes our mistakes cause suffering, un, uh, unintentional suffering. However, we're gonna, you're going to have to face hardships in whatever area they come throughout your life. So you, but you stay faithful to God. I'll give you two examples, and then we'll... We'll wind this down tonight. David, uh, for Joseph. Uh, first of all, the story of Joseph. First of all, I can never find that he did anything wrong. Very interesting for a lost creature. He wasn't born again, but he had a covenant with God. And you know how he was raised. It wasn't his fault that his father loved him more than his other sons. And I don't think he really loved him more than the other sons, but because it was the last son, it wasn't. He would end up having Benjamin. But the last son of his old age, he just, you know, I mean, he was just in love with him. And so he made him a coat of many colors. And of course, guess what? His, he has a dream at 17 years old, and he rubs that dream in his uh, brother's face. But I don't even think he did wrong in that. Do you know why? Because for that dream to come past, he had to prophesy it. So he prophesied his dream, told it to his brothers, and told it to his dad and mom. And his brothers hated him even more for it. So what they do? They designed a plan to sell him into... Egyptian slavery, which they did. And all the things that, I mean, we read a story, and I, I think sometimes we fail to stop for a moment and be really sensitive to the fact that what he was dealing with. I mean, it was tough. He, he lost his dad. 
He, he lost his mama. He, he, he lost, he lost any, friends, all the friends that he had back home. He lost everything. And here he is, isolated in Egypt. God's favor was upon him. Praise God. Hey, no matter what you go through, God's favor will be upon you if you just stay in faith. He stayed in faith, and you know what? And God began to promote him. I'm not gonna, we can't, don't have time to go through all those chapters, but then what happens? Then he gets blamed for a moral uh, situation that he didn't commit. You know, uh, Pharaoh's wife tried to come on him and tried to get him to have an intimate relationship with her, and, 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 the, and, and he ran, of course, and of course, when he ran, she grabbed his, whatever it is, his whatever, belt or whatever, and, 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 and then blames him for something he didn't do. Listen, and he spent two years in prison. While he's in prison, he, has a, he interprets a dream for the baker and the butler, you know that, and then I think it's the butler that died and the baker went out. I, I think the baker lived. Find out yourself. Anyway, <laughs> and, uh, and what does he do? He leaves and forgets, forgets Joseph. Oh, Joe, come on, God. Can, can you just give me a break? But he didn't say that. He stayed in faith. He stayed in love. And praise God, you know all the rest of the story. God, but listen, if he would have got a hard heart, listen, and his brothers come to town, he would have demanded retribution for what they did to him. That's the true test of life. I'm telling you, you go through life and things happen to you, people do things to you, and it hurts like Hades. But what are you going to do? You better stay in faith and stay in love because only God can take the situation where it needs to go and come out the other side with the fruit of the Spirit still in your life. Can I have an amen? You can get embittered about a lot of things. And that's why, you know, even a church, you know, a church, we're all, you know, that's what church, everybody here, everybody, nobody here has it together. I mean, we're working at it. We're learning, we're growing, but we're still in these stupid Adamic bodies that cause us a fit every day of our lives. If you agree, say amen to that. It's true. Amen. So he stayed in faith and he stayed in love. And guess what? He became the savior of an entire nation of Jews. The Jews would not have survived without his Savior, and he became that, never knowing that that was his divine destiny. Same with David, the story of David. I won't go into that because it's running out of time. David was the same way. 13 years of adversity, 13 years of hardship, 13 years of living on the run from a king who was possessed by a demon spirit and wanted to kill him. And yet, listen to this. When King Saul died, it was David who got down on his knees and wept because he loved the king. He didn't say, bless God, he got what he deserved. He wept uncontrollably. That's the kind of love and respect he had for the authority that God put in his life, even though he was demon-possessed. A lot of pastors go through a lot of hell because their congregation or those in a congregation fail to remember that he's just like you, but he's got the anointing of God in his life. Amen. So don't look for perfection. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, Hebrews 3. I'm going to read a little of this. The Apostle Paul addressed the hardness of Israel's heart here in Hebrews 3. And, and, and it ties us into it. That's why I, wanted, I didn't read this last time, so I wanted to read this. Uh, this is the Living Bible. And since, you got that up there for me? Thank you. And since Christ is so much superior, the Holy Spirit warns us. Hmm. Who is he warning? Us. 
Amen. Okay. The Holy Spirit warns us to listen to him, to be careful to hear his voice today, and not let our hearts become set against him as the people of Israel did. Now watch this. And I like this transition. They steeled themselves. The word is steel, S-T-E-E-L. They refused to bend. They steeled themselves against his love and complained against him in the desert while he was teaching them. That's why we have to be so careful, even in our homes, how we're complaining, because if we're complaining about how tough life is, we're complaining about this and that, you don't realize, but you're complaining against God. Complaining. Oh, God help us. But God was patient with them 40 years. What are you just saying? Again, this June, coming June, it'll be 40 years that we've been at this church. And I'm just telling you right now, God has been faithful 40 years. And we're not going to grieve him. We're going to praise him. Amen. And the Bible says, though they tried his patience sorely, he kept right on doing the mighty miracles for them to see. And what was that? Man, he fed them. Every, I told you that Sunday. Man, man who fell from heaven. Man, and then they started to complain about, oh, we're so sick and tired of this manna. So what did he do? He brought in a flock of quail. Yeah. Come on now. How big a flock? Just to feed three million people. In fact, he fed them so much that they began to vomit out quail. <laughs> That's what it says. Amen. Again, it goes to show you that they got so full and still weren't satisfied. And some of them died with meat in their mouths because they were so critical. Say, God is a good God. The Bible says, watch this. But God says, I was very angry with them for their hearts were always looking somewhere else instead of up to me and they never found the paths I wanted them to follow. And I think, what is that actually happening in the church age where people actually are born again in Spirit-filled and still never find the paths that God wanted them to follow? Absolutely. Because that's a warning to us. Then God, full of his anger against them, bound himself with the note that he would never let them come to his place of rest. Now, again, I want you to realize that this is, the, this is New, New Testament doctrine. Look at verse 12. So beware, there's the warning, then of your own hearts, dear brothers, lest you find that they too are evil and unbelieving and are leading you away from the living God. That's why, I'm, uh, that's why and again, I, you know, I, every time I say something, I stop and think, who am I now offending? Who am I now offending? Why? Because it grieves my heart, again, that COVID-19 has been leading people away from the house of God instead of to the house of God. I mean, I, 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 love, I love all our families. I don't look down at anybody. It grieves my heart, though. So come on. What are... And then that saddens my heart because I think obviously I haven't been doing my job because if I have, they'd be more spiritually mature to, to face stuff like this and, and conquer it with their faith. Amen. So beware then of your own hearts. Watch this. Lest you find that they too are evil and unbelieving 
and leading you away from the living God. So what is he saying? So speak to each other about these things every day while there is still time so that none of you will become hardened against God. Being, watch this, blinded by the glamour of sin. And again, not, hey, people got to judge themselves. But what grieves my heart is that people don't come to church, but you go out, out, outside these doors, they're all over the city. They're at this function. They're over here. They're doing this. And all. But my God, we could never go back to church. And so what are you left with? You're left with, whether you like it or not, you're left with a weaker foundation of your spiritual walk so that when adversity does come, it's like I, I use this as true, Randy. Randy used to uh, train me when I was younger. He just about killed me, and then he would laugh about it. And he'd get me so tired, I'd begin to hallucinate. I mean... <laughs> Sick to my stomach, literally want to barf on the carpet, and he says, lift a little more. I mean, had no mercy at all. But he knew that to get me to two plates, he had to start with a small plate. And gradually, gradually, gradually get stronger and stronger every week until I was able to get to a certain level. But if he had thrown 400 pounds on that thing, I would have crushed my chest because I could not handle that. But see, that's the way we are sometimes. We think if, when hell comes against us, are we going to have the spiritual strength to handle it? Well, not if you haven't prepared for it. Not if you haven't trained for it. I don't care how, what, what you say. Oh, I'll be able to do that. Oh, Randy, I can lift 400. Go ahead, put her on there. And he's going, <laughs> watch this. <laughs> Amen. He goes on and says this, for if... We are faithful to the end, and I put this in here, of every hard situation we find ourselves in. If we're faithful to the end, trusting God just as we did when we first became Christians, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Oh, but now is the time. Never forget the warning. Today, if you hear God's voice talking to the church, speaking to you, and I put here, instructing you, convicting you, and correcting you, do not harden your hearts against him. That's why it's hard for me sometimes to say something, because the moment I do, it goes to other people, and they really don't hear the heart of what I'm saying, and then they get offended and never come back. That's what crushes my heart. But then if you don't say anything, then, then they don't learn. The Bible says, as the, as the people of Israel did when they rebelled against him in the desert. I'm almost finished here. And who were those people I speak of? Who, who, God says, who am I complaining about? Who am I frustrated with? Who am I so angry with? That's what he's saying. And who were those people I speak of? Who heard God's voice speaking to them, but then rebelled against him? They were the ones who came out of, they were the ones that saw the greatest display of his glory but refused to stay in the glory. And I love the grace of mercy of God in that everyone from 20 years old and under, uh, he, uh, Joshua finally took them in. But all the rest of them died in the wilderness. Yeah. 
So they were the ones who came out of Egypt with Moses, their leader. And who was it who made God angry for all those 40 years? These same people who sinned and as a result died in the wilderness. And to whom was God speaking when he swore with an oath that they could never go into the land that he promised them? He was speaking to all those who disobeyed him. And why couldn't they go in? Because they didn't trust him. One translation says, says unbelief shut them out. Actually, it was the hardness of the heart that shut them out. That's why anything, when I share things with people, I don't, you know, I'm just like, I'm learning like you. I'm growing like you. I'm learning like you. But surely, don't get offended when the word of God is preached. But humble yourself and say, Abba, Father, please help me hear what you're saying so I can do what you're saying. Can I have an amen? Ephesians 4 says, and, I, and I, I, when I read this, I'm going, oh, God. This should not be, but it is. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, and resentment, anger, animosity, and quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language. That's in the church. That was in the church. See, you would never expect me to say, open your ethnic Bibles to chapter. You would never expect me to say, but yet we'll go home and say some foul thing like that and we think it's okay. How many agree that we are the house of God? Yes, we got this awesome facility which I'm very grateful for. But when you go, God goes with you. The Spirit of God. Now don't get offended at what I said because you, li you listen to stuff all the time and never address it. I'm just saying I would never do that because if I did, you'd just drop to the floor and freak out and run out. Demon spirit, demon spirit, or whatever. <laughs> but we don't talk like that, do we? Say, we don't talk like that. We don't talk Amen. We don't. No. I'm just simply saying, you know, you, so you always have to guard everything about your life, including your confession. So he said, he's, he's de describing all of this behavior that we as Christians, we have to try to get rid of. Let it be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, and baseness of any kind. And become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. I love this next part. Tenderhearted, not hardhearted. Tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, lovinghearted. Forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. <laughs> Apart from our obedience to the guidelines found in God's word, We'll just keep getting harder and harder. Listen to this. Vicky preached this years ago. And, and more desensitized to the convicting uh, power of God's spirit. I've always told the Holy Spirit, and he does, and I'm gracious. Every time I say something wrong or I have a bad attitude, he convicts me so that I have a chance to repent and get it right. How many want that kind of conviction in your life? So he's, he's, he's correcting you. He's constantly helping you, you know, to make the corrections in your life. That's what repentance is. It's, repentance is keep doing the same sin over and over, but repentance is turning because you got God's help now to make it better. Isn't that good? Amen. Last verse, Hebrews 12, and we're done. Then we'll pray. Try to live in peace with everyone. Try. I mean, you're not going to always succeed, but try. 
Try to live in peace with everyone and seek to live a clean and holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Your unholiness will, will create spiritual blurness so that you can't not see the clarity of what God is trying to do in your life. God wants you to lead a whole, I mean, yeah, a clean and holy life, okay? Look at, after each other so that none of you will miss out on the special favor of God. Watch out that no bitter root of unbelief rises up among you, for whenever it springs up, many are corrupted by its poison, especially those that are observing your life. That's our children. For someone to live, someone has to die. Mm -hmm. For someone to live, someone has to die. Someone has to let go and let God have his way in your heart and life. Amen. Verse 15 of the Message Bible, keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontentment or discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. It's true. So watch out for the Esau syndrome. What was that? Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. See, it's like, kind of like this. I'd really like to give you a piece of my mind. And I always tell people, don't do that because you can't afford it. <laughs> because... Because you know that when those words leave your mouth, the Bible says your tongue can create a massive fire of contention. So it's better just not to say anything. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. That's the Esau uh, yeah, syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You will know how Esau later regretted the impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but then it was too late. Tears or no tears. Amen. Bow your head, we're going to pray tonight. I want to pray, just simply pray a, a prayer on each every one of you tonight. But I want to ask this question because we're dealing with hardness. Because I, I, life is hard. And, and I have not been through stuff that some people have been through. I mean, you know, Vicky's sister and her husband lost a son. We had a couple in our church here that lost their daughter. I mean, I can't imagine some of the sufferings that people deal with. And yet God does grace and strengthen us if we allow him to, which in both cases happened uh, that I mentioned. And, um, but if you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, pray for me. Uh, I've been getting a hard heart lately regarding this or that, and I just, I just want you to pray for me because tonight, I, I, the Bible says, break up the fallow ground. How? how? Through repentance. So if you're here tonight, say, Pastor, pray for me, because uh, I've been getting hard, but tonight I'm, I'm going to let it go and let God have his way in the situation. Just lift your hand. Anybody like that? Thank you. Thank you for being so honest. Thank you. Hands all over the place. And I appreciate that. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for the convicting power of your Holy Spirit. And God, we all of us here tonight apologize to you for allowing circumstances to get a hold of us and cause us to say things and do things that, you, that don't, don't please you and don't, don't honor you and glorify you. Things that hurt others. And Father, just go ahead and repent if that's you. Father, we all repent here tonight. Deeply sorry for, for not be, being more Christ-like. And Father, I, I, we, just, we just dig up, God, the, the soil of our own hearts through repentance and ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal the word of God to us in a greater measure so that we can plant it in our hearts, God, and, and become all that you've called us to be as believers. Now let's all lift our hands for a moment and just begin to worship God. Father, we worship you tonight. We worship you. We thank you 
that God, you give us an understanding heart, that God, you help us understand that every word that we speak is seed that carries into the hearts of others. So please help us to guard our confession. Please help us to speak life and not death. Blessing and not cursing. Thank you, God. We really want that. We want to speak blessing over our families, blessing over our spouses, amen, blessing over all of our relationships. And Lord, I speak a blessing. I love this congregation. Pastor Vicki loves this congregation, God. And we just ask you right now to bring healing and restoration in every relationship in this church. Let's all lift our hands and give him praise for that. God, thank you. We receive healing for our entire church family tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. Now I can give God a good shout of praise. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.